Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are you doing, Sheikh? Alhamdulillah. Thank you so much. We have uh, Sayyid Ali Jaffrey with us all the way from the States, currently studying in Qom. Um, it's a pleasure having you with us. Thank you for... Pleasure is all mine, Sheikh. Pleasure is all mine. <laughs> uh, you're, you're actually one of the ones I miss the most from Qom. Right? I love spending time with you. It's great. And I haven't seen you in so long. That's the that's the that's the brotherhood of uh, of a basketball brotherhood, you know, brings us together. So, yeah. I'm it's good to see you, and um, you know, always we always remember you and miss you uh, over there. But we're following you closely, and you know, the main reason I'm over I'm on, I'm on this right now is just uh, to benefit from you. So, like we've been doing, you know, with all the videos, and you know, I like this format because you know, really gotten to see a lot of. Lot of different people and, and, and kind of hear their thoughts and in like a more natural setting so alhamdulillah yeah i love Thank you for i actually doing. love it it's it's it gives me an opportunity to to reconnect with everyone and to speak with everyone and it's it's awesome it's, it's really good uh inshallah there'll be more conversations and we don't have to have all of them recorded obviously inshallah <laughs> but inshallah, inshallah it's good it was the only way i can get you on the phone man you're so busy out there in australia <laughs> you know you know uh i you mentioned basketball. I just started a league. Um, actually, I joined a team, right? So it's a team of brothers. Um, I actually joined two leagues. So one at 35, an older team, which is random people and a bunch of dinosaurs running around. That's, that's, that's just for exercise. And then we have another team where it's, uh, it's me and a bunch of brothers. And we just got together and we said, hey, let's, let's play basketball. So some of us are pretty good. Some of us are more beginners. And some of us are athletic, some of us aren't. So it's just like a group of, of people. And we're actually doing pretty good. Every game we improve. So we've lost every game so far because we're playing against teams that are, you know, athletic and have been playing together for the last 10 years. <laughs> so know each other and everything. And we're just starting to gel as a team. But we're doing really good. So every every game, first games, we were getting blown out like crazy. And last game that we had, we were in the game the whole game. We right. lost, but we were we were competitive. That's beautiful, you know. Like yeah. I often think, um, you know, one of the best teachers that I've had, and I've had so many great teachers, but one of the best teachers I've had in life is basketball, actually, mm. because you know, just like you mentioned, one of the things that it teaches you, just sports in general, uh, is it teaches you how to lose. Mm. You know, a lot of times in life, you know, we're gonna have tough times, we're gonna fall down, and it's about how you get back up. And so I think, you know, even though you guys are taking those L's. You know, those are going to translate, inshallah, to the, to the W's in life. That's where it really matters. Inshallah. We're, we're taking the first season as like the preseason. I know. So, I know you're not taking it like that, Shia. <laughs> I'm trying. We're all trying. We want to win. Yeah. We definitely want to win. Yeah. But we're just, yeah, yeah. we know that we have to get our athleticism up and everything. Alhamdulillah. Right. Alhamdulillah. Doing well. I, uh, I've been scoring. I've been hitting threes. Like I had my last game. I had... Or, Game before last, I got twenty-seven. This game, I got seventeen. This, uh, I expect nothing. I expect nothing less with that jump shot, Chef. So I'm doing well. Yeah, I'm doing well. It's good. It's fun. We need a point guard, so just feel free to come out here and move to Australia, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I would have a, I would have too much of a hard time understanding people. That's what I, that's what's stopping me, you know. 
I remember uh, somebody somebody was learning uh, when I first got to Qom. There was a it was a it was a brother from overseas. He was learning English. Mm. He he was like, I can't understand what this one teacher is saying. I don't I just don't understand anything they're saying. So I'm like, you know, let me listen to it for you. And he gave it to me, and it was like an Australian, mm. you know, and he couldn't understand because of the accent. And I said, don't worry about it. I got the same problem. <laughs> so, you get used you know, inshallah, to it. If you I, get a translator for me, then I'm there. You know. <laughs> I think my accent kind of is morphing slowly, slowly into being more yeah. Australian. I'm left. I saw the Sheikh Mickey gave you a hard time. I saw uh, the video with, with you and him. And uh, but it's good. It's, it's that it's that crossover appeal. You know, you have to be able to speak to people, um, you know, in their own in their own language, right? So you know, alhamdulillah, you're able to speak to the different different communities through through the different dialects. Alhamdulillah. Inshallah, we'll get we'll get you out here at least at least for a visit because it's it's actually a pretty interesting community here, right? So you have there's a lot of Muslims compared right. compared to various parts of the states. Where are you in the states right now, by the way? Right now, I'm in Kansas, actually. Kansas, so definitely right. more Muslims in Can than there would be in Kansas. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. And you got you got like halal food everywhere. You mm -hmm. have a good mixture of uh, races as well. Um, right. And just the culture here, I I love the culture of the Muslims here. It's different. Right, right. It's more it's more chill. You there's more. Um, spending time with each other there's right. i feel like the communities are closer with each other than they are in the states right and that's yeah i got to spend some time with uh with sheikh mansoor mm -hmm. um who you know in 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 um, you know, when i went to isfahan so you know, he he really spoke highly obviously of, of the community there and actually ironically you know my wife has some family out there too mm -hmm. so you know we have uh oh, definitely heard some great things and obviously the great work you're doing Mm. Um, as well beautiful so now there's more of an excuse for you to come out here okay. inshallah yeah inshallah so just make sure it's basketball season when you come we'll we'll poach you for a couple games yeah i'm gonna be one of those dinosaurs out there <laughs> we gotta ask you know abdullah can tell us your son you can tell us which kind of dinosaur i remember he was the dinosaur expert <laughs> you know back in uh what was that 2013 yeah i remember those days he's grown up now he's in year eight He's uh, Subhanallah. And they grow up fast, you know. Yeah. All right. So yeah, Muharram is coming coming up. What you, What are your plans in Muharram? Yeah. So I um you know I was scheduled to speak for the first time, you know to have the tawfiq to speak for the first time, um this year. But obviously because of the uh, the virus situation, you know those in person uh, speeches aren't going to happen. And you know, it was my it was my preference to to not do it online. You know, there's so many great scholars, great ulama, and uh, you know, qualified speakers doing things online. So I said I'll benefit more sitting back here, you know, watching yourself and you know, the Sheikh Osamas and you know, the others, the other brothers of the world, you know, inshallah, benefit from you all. Inshallah. So, uh, what's what's the situation there in the states for Muharram? Do you, are they going to be yeah. having person anywhere they're all going to be online how's that working you know it looks like a majority of places are doing it online um you know i think there's some exceptions to that definitely and i think you know local leadership is kind of looking at the situation obviously talking to um medical experts you know just like you know our leadership has been advising us to do homage and you know basically going from there so i think it depends place to place some people are kind of doing like a kind of like a hybrid where there's, you know, less people coming, but at least there's some people coming. Um, and, you know, 
other people are doing. I've seen outside. Um, but I think for the most part, it looks like people are, are taking precautions, which, which I think is a positive. Yeah. Here in Australia, where obviously the, the COVID situation is much different than it is in the States, so they've controlled it much better. Um, there's still heavy regulations on the, on the Moharam program. So a lot of centers are holding them face-to-face, but there's restrictions in the amount of people that could come. I think when you have the, the really big centers are maxing it out at 100. Some centers are maxing it out at 50. And they'll be spaced when they're in the masjid. And you have, they have to register beforehand. So like if 500 people register, you get right. 10, you know, 50 people a night. And that's it. Right. So you only get to go to one oh, program. That's crazy. I, I, when I think about the whole situation that we've seen here for the last few months, I mean, everybody's been affected. Anybody who's watching this right now, they've been, they've been affected by this, you know. Mm-hmm. But I just I always remember that verse of um, I think Surah Nisa. It says, You know, like, for us, it, it all looks just, like, terrible. Like, man, we hate this. Like, we want to get back to normal. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, has a plan. And um, there's definitely, you know, some, some, some benefits and some blessings um, from the situation. So it's just about us, kind of, you know, I speak to myself first, looking past whatever challenges and whatever um, obstacles we're facing, you know, here, obviously, being as a community, we're not able to to come together, but, you know, able to basically take advantage of the situation. So in this situation, you know, a lot of the times we don't get to spend as much time with our children, you know, mm-hmm. during these 10 days as we would like and, and explain to them, you know, people are coming home from work, going straight to the masjid, you know, but now, you know, you have the time to, you know, work on the tarbiyah with your kids, watch the speeches together, inshallah. So I think there's a lot of, inshallah, silver linings and benefits. 100%. 100%. And that's right. Like, if you look at it, you have to look at it and find the, the benefits, right? But if you look at it in a positive way and you try to look at everything in a positive way, you could find silver linings and you could find benefits. I know for me, one of the clear benefits is reconnecting with everyone. So I've right. had these podcasts that we're doing now. Right. right. Yeah. The plan was to do them in person in Australia. And mm. find people, you know, experts in different fields and interview them, which I still, inshallah, will do. But, sure. but uh, when COVID happened and I'm not able to meet people face to face and do this, and I was like, all right, we'll do it online. But if I'm doing it online, why do I have to limit myself to Australia? I could do it with right. anyone online. Come There's home, no right? Come home, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so, so I've been able to reconnect with many of the ulama through this, and it's just excellent. You know, it's a yeah. beautiful Allah. opportunity that right. I wasn't even thinking about. Right. Um, yeah, I, I think. Oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. So you you said you were going to speak, but then because it's online, you decided not to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I said I'll, I'd rather benefit from you, you brothers, inshallah. Sure. Yeah. So um, what, what were you going to speak about? Yeah, so, you know, one topic that I've been working on, um, you know, and I've spoken uh, you know, a few places here and there uh, on it, but what I was, I was planning to talk about was this, this kind of concept that we have of, <clears throat> you know, the, the spiritual fall. You know, so we have, you know, all of us, alhamdulillah, you know, we are going to be benefiting from uh, the blessed month, you know, in these, these coming days, and remembering, you know, Abba Abdullah and Hussein, alayhi salam. But there's no guarantee that I'm going to be there next year. 
Mm-hmm. There's no guarantee that you're going to be there next year. Now there'll be that, or you know, five years from now, or ten years from now, you know. And so, if we look at the history of, you know, whether we're looking at those who are close to Rasulullah, those who are close to Imam Ali, you know, we have companions, even you know, looking at Imam Qadim's companions, you know, all the way until today, you know, in current times, we see there's people who have, you know, at one 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 time they've been, you know, maybe the best of the best, elite of the elite amongst the Shia. But over time, because of attachment to this world, because of bad friends, because of, you know, whatever it may have been, you know, we see that they went off the path. So what I was planning to discuss and, you know, maybe I'll save it for next year was basically you know, go through some examples like this and then try to uh, take take lessons from it. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And I see I see a lot of that. We were even talking about that last night. Uh, mm. There is actually a story of a scholar um, and... I don't, do you know uh, Ali Safdari, Australian from Qom? Or he's in. You know, he's studying in Qom. Obviously, he's here now, but mm-hmm. he's there. Um, I think I saw him on one of your videos. Yep. yep. I'm not mistaken. That's yeah. Right. Yeah. He has yeah, but I, but I but I might not know him. Like you know, maybe mm-hmm. we know each other by face or something. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he uh, so he was mentioning a story of um, some scholar, and he didn't he didn't remember the the marjid who was relating the story, but. It's mm. a story that he heard where some scholar spent his whole life, you know, studying Islam, teaching Islam, you know, doing everything what he's supposed to be doing. And then towards the end of his life, he switched and started falling off the path. And, right. uh, and the last like 20 days, he just left, you know, it seems, right. like, seems like he left Islam and the marja came to him. He's like, come on, what's happening? You know, what's, what's wrong? And he even spit in the Quran. He's like, mm. you know, forget this book. He spat in it. It's like, wow. Right. And, that's crazy. And that's obviously extreme. Right. But as Muslim, as normal, you know, Muslims on their spiritual journey to God, like mm. myself as well, you know, we have our we have our ups and downs spiritually. And right. A lot of times, like I find myself not demotivated completely, but I do find myself you know, lower than I was before. And when I recognize that, then I have to take a step back. Why? What happened? How can I get back? And it's always a struggle. You know, you're always, you're always finding yourself in different situations and environments and trying to move forward. And sometimes you slip, you know what I mean? Right. It's definitely a good, uh, a good topic. Inshallah, next year we'll benefit from it. (laughs) Inshallah. You know, there's so much, uh, advice that we have from our scholars too on this, you know, like I'm just remembering something I thought Bahjad says, he says like, you know, be careful not to even fall into the minor sins, you know, because if you start, if you fall into the minor sins, this is going to lead you to the major sins, right? And this is going to eventually lead to, you know, losing your faith. And unfortunately, 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 I could say, you know, I've been back in America for a couple months now, uh, longer than I had anticipated because of the virus. But I think, uh, unfortunately, I can't even count on one hand anymore. The amount of individuals who I've had conversations with, so it's probably like you know seven or eight people at least, who who are I don't think you can classify them as Muslim anymore, mm. you know. And these are these are brothers who you know they're good brothers, you know, just maybe a few years ago, and they're still good people. They're still good brothers, you know. And inshallah they'll come back. That's one of the lessons you know that we see from Ahlul Bayt is they never gave up on people, right? And so we have to have that same attitude. And unfortunately, sometimes we see it's the opposite, and we pushing people away from the masjid. And we're pushing people away, you know, from the Jama'ah and everything. But we have to make sure we're always bringing people back in and never giving up on people. 
Um, but yeah, you're seeing people, you know, atheism, you know, falling into, uh, you know, wrong kinds of, of thoughts and, and stuff like that. And I think a lot of this, um, you know, could be avoided. You know, obviously this is getting into a different topic, but if we if we do, you know, build up build up our communities a little bit stronger, you know, with the community building. But yeah, man, it's a serious problem. And you know, something even if we if we look back, you know, from from the other prophets, there was the same son that was there. You know, all all the way even going back to, you know, um, Iblis himself. Mm-hmm. So. Inshallah, you know, we all we all stay on the, on the right path and we gotta you know pray for that every day. Inshallah, inshallah. It's yeah, actually I love that topic. It's good. Maybe I'll steal it from you one year too. <laughs> it's all yours, so, man. I'll give it to you right now. You do a better <laughs> job of, of uh presenting yeah, it. So yeah, it's good. So uh, it, me and Moharam, I'm I actually I got a couple couple programs that are on and it's it might be morphing into three. So one of them, there's this uh, community called Marquesa Irshad here in Australia, in Sydney. And it's okay. uh, it's an Afghan center, and it's huge. So I remember the first year I went and I spoke there, they rented out a factory. Actually, they didn't rent it out. It was there. They owned it. And it was this factory and full, like no space whatsoever. And it was only men. And the women were in the factory next door that they also owned. And it was there was at least three four thousand people, and this was in the first nights, and then right. every night it gets more and more. And the interesting thing is, is that no one knows them, because they they keep to themselves, and the other centers don't even know they exist. Mm-hmm. So I was speaking in two centers. I'd speak there, and then from there I'd go and I'd speak in a Lebanese uh, center in in a different area of town, and I told her, and this Lebanese center is it was. There was a lot of people there as well, but it was like, let's say, less than a thousand. And mm. they were happy. And I was like, you know, I just spoke somewhere where there's 5,000 people. They're like, what? Mm. I was where? I said, Marquez Irshad. They've never heard of it. And it was, it's crazy. Mm. Like the, right. you could see the distance between the members of the community mm. when you have, um, when you have things like that. And yeah, man, we got that to problem build. too. Yeah. yeah. So I'm speaking yeah, think- with them. But they mm-hmm. want to do an art, like they asked me to do pre-recorded lectures and send them, send them mm-hmm. off to them. So my topic was looking at the different companions of the imam, those who mm-hmm. sacrifice their lives. Some of them mm-hmm. we know, like Hur and Habib and uh, Muslim and Al-Sajjah and people of that nature. But then there's a lot of others that are less known. So I, I decided it's a 13-night program, 13 different companions give a brief intro into their lives so like not that long maybe like seven eight minutes because mm-hmm. there's not that much information out right. there actually yeah. but right. Right. what we have and kind of introduce them and then pick in one point of their life and kind of expound upon that so mm-hmm. one of them like core obviously we talk about forgiveness and mm. some of them we talk about family and culture and some akhlaki points like patience and perseverance and mm-hmm. things of that nature so we have so i'm i'm doing that and I, I really enjoy it because i feel people will be able to connect to these companions more and they're interesting stories like habib right. like one thing that one thing for instance habib when i was reading about him you know obviously he was a staunch uh, supporter of imam ali Islam, and he participated in all the battles with imam ali and he was part of a group called short Khamis, which was uh 
like uh, bodyguards. So he was Imam Ali's right. bodyguard, mashallah. Right. And then, huh. like, I doubt many people know that. You know what I mean? Right. And then yeah. you go that's, and you talk about that, and it's just it's just interesting for me, just just mm. picking up on these on these aspects of these people's lives, and like, wow, like these were champions. You know what I mean? Right. And we could we could learn from them. So it's right. obviously historical context is looking at their lives and then try and then trying to bring it into our own by looking at one of the attributes that they had or something that pops up there that we could implement in our lives and i think that's good so then but then they changed and they said look we want to do uh more of an interactive session where we'll call mm-hmm. you on zoom and we'll we'll have uh, someone ask you questions about those same topics though so okay It'll be the same topic, and but it'll be more of like a discussion back and forth type of conversation. I don't think, probably not like like this where both sides are talking. I think it's just going to be like an interviewer and interviewee type thing where I'm just getting bombarded with questions and answering them. But that should be that should be interesting. Um, and then because they're not doing the the um recorded lectures anymore. So I mm-hmm. might just record them and put them on my site. So just like a little bit, like a small little video about each one of those companions and just put those up and maybe I'm going to do that on my own. So that'd be something I could take from this experience as well. Um, then another center called me and I was actually invited to do face-to-face in a Lebanese center and I didn't want to do face-to-face because of the situation and I don't know, I feel like I'm worried that some centers here might not take the restrictions seriously. Not saying that that center wouldn't, but mm-hmm. just me- just this might, ha- you know, maybe it happens. And then the government right. cracks down on, you know, Shia Muharram programs. Uh, mm-hmm, and it mm-hmm. can become like a big disaster in the media and things like that. And right. I just like, you know what, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want it. Right, right, right. I don't want that to happen and me be a cause of it. So I turn mm-hmm. it down. And then one of the centers that I speak at every week, so every Friday, I speak at a center called Nabi Akram, which is mm-hmm. a predominantly Afghan center, but there's many people of other races that attend as well. Um, right. And they they wanted to do one, and they ensured me that all of the restrictions will be adhered and all of that. And uh, so I, I accepted and their format is that they want like a live podcast format. So it'll be like this, but live. And mm. the people that, that I'll be speaking with are people who are experts in various fields. So you have some psychologists, for instance, that are coming, some social workers, some, um, some academics, some just various various people. I think there's a, a very interesting um, marriage. What do you call marriage? I know family lawyer, marriage lawyer. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so you have very interesting people who are coming, and we'll get we'll talk about their field and somehow try to relate it to Muharram and Imam Hussein alayhisalam. And go from there. So they're both like both of those programs are unorthodox. Like they're they're not mm-hmm. the normal mm-hmm. lecture program that I'd be giving in Moharam. Right. So, and it's the first time that 
I'm doing it in this format, so it's going to be new to me as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But inshallah, it seems like it it could go well. Um, okay. It could be interesting, but it's not going to be like, it's not that Muhari Majlis. You know what I mean? Right. It's different. Right. It's different. Right. And it'll be interesting to see how that's received by right. by the audience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's um, there's some positives to that, definitely. I mean, there's no, there's no replacing the member. You know, I think... Um, the leader has mentioned that even actually in one of his talks that there's no there's no replacing the member the place of it, but at the same time you know we have to be realistic and think out of the box especially in times like these. But even generally, I mean, if you look at a lot of our you know this probably isn't the case with those you know respected places that you mentioned, but you know, generally speaking, you know the situation out here. There's a lot of our institutions that have become irrelevant, unfortunately, um, to the next generation, and so. You know, you just you walk into a Juma and you can see it. You know, you see the, the demographics, the age, and everything like that. So I think we have to sometimes, you know, think outside the box. You know, be creative, and, and inshallah, you know, it'll be really successful. I just want to piggyback on one thing you mentioned uh, about those different communities not knowing, you know, what was going on. And you know, I think if we just kind of extrapolate that and then kind of look at it a little bit um, from a macro perspective, if we reclassify, re re um characterize the word community. How do we look at community? Yeah, we have our the Khawas, you know what I'm saying? And you know, the Shia and that has its place of course. But, you know, then you have the 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 Awam, you know, the general Muslim populations population. And then you have, you know, oppressed people. Like the 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 Ahl Bayt are not for, for us, right? A lot of times like I just you know I, I you know, I, it's hard to understand sometimes why we have this thinking that the Ahlubayt are like ours. You know, that we we have the Ahlubayt and, and it's for us. When, no, like these people who are out here on the street in Portland and New York and everywhere, you know what I'm saying? With, you know, they're, they're crying for justice. What they're really crying for is Imam Hussein. You know, they don't even realize. You know, it's, it's like my son. Uh, you know, sometimes he'll be crying. He doesn't know, like. He'll be fighting, you know, to drink milk. He'll, you know, he'll won't want it. He'll say he'll think he wants to play or something like that. You know, but then once he gets milk, then he realizes, oh yeah, this is what this is actually what I needed. Everything was in here, you know, and you know, that's what it is with Islam too. But unfortunately, those of us who Allah Subhanahu wa Taala has actually placed us where we are to be ambassadors for Islam, to be, you know, not just to go out there and you know be a corporate slave. You know what I'm saying? Or to come out here and, you know, live that, you know, two and a half kids and, and the white fence and all that. No, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put us here for something greater than that. You know, Imam Mahdi knows where best to put his soldiers, right? We have to remember that. But we, unfortunately, a lot of times, and I speak obviously of myself first, we don't do our responsibility in, in basically sharing that message um, to the community. And, and that's and, and, and if you look at, you know, whenever we see in, in the Ainudba and you know, Ziyarat uh, Waritha, wherever you look, where it talks about Imam Hussein, it'll jump to Imam Mahdi right away. You know, and that that connection that's there, um, we had, we're really missing opportunities sometimes. So I don't know if you probably have some ideas or what you guys have done out there that have been successful that maybe can help us bridge that gap. I definitely see the, the issue and the problem. Yeah, so here in Australia, the communities are very racial-based. So you have the Lebanese, the Iraqi, the Afghan the Iranian even, which is a very small Iranian community, um, a very small Pakistani community, and each place has their own center, 
Um, there are there are people that will attend that are not of that race, but very few. So most of them are very very heavy dominated in one race, and then the interaction between communities is very uh, small. So you right. don't. So you, that's true. So what what people like myself try to do is try to um, create like groups that pull from different communities and things of that nature. Um, we, mm-hmm. Like we'll have, for instance, I was at a discussion circle. So on Tuesday nights, I go to a discussion circle um, at, you know, Sheikh Zaid. Right. Yeah, Sheikh Zaid's house, actually. Mm-hmm. So he leads it. Mm-hmm. And I attend and uh, Ali Seftari is there as well while he's here in Australia. And then you have a group of people that attend various centers and various races. So you have like the, the whole United Nations is there. Right, so it's really good, and I feel like programs like that can bring people together. Um, trying to, trying to also when you do programs, trying to do a program where you bring different youth groups or different groups together and do like some kind of joint program. Like I feel those right. those are good, but that's only for like the Montmanin and those who are, you know, those who attend the centers. I think right. probably the majority of people don't even attend centers regularly to right. to benefit from that experience. Right. Um, and those are the ones that, you know, we should be trying to connect more with, right? Mm-hmm. Those, are the, those are the ones who need more help, right? The Mokmen in the masjid doesn't need much help. Like, you could kind of tweak his uh, his beliefs a little bit. You could help him, you know, give him, give him a few drops of water, give him, give him a little bit of help, but... Those who need more help are those who are struggling and aren't attending the masjid and, you know, are struggling with faith, like what you wanted to talk about in Muharram. But I feel like as as ulama, we don't really connect with them. Like, like we don't really go out, seek them, and spend our time with those people, which we should be doing. Right. And that's, right. that's I feel that that's one of the downfalls of the, I guess the normal, the normal alam schedule where right. you you give juma and you give a couple lectures at night. You teach Saturday school. You might, you know, you might do a couple other things here and there, but you're only connecting with those people who attend the masjid. So you're only connecting right. with. A certain segment of the community and not the community as a, as as a whole, and then forget about the oppressed who aren't even Muslim. Like they're not even on the radar anymore. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Where obviously they should be. Like here in Australia, right. here in Australia, you have Aboriginals who, you know, if you look at the statistics about African Americans and institutionalized racism in America, they're at par or even worse here. So like right. the. I know, like, the incarceration statistics that you have in America, the ones, if you compare those to Aboriginals in Australia, Aboriginals in Australia seem like they're they're facing even stronger institutionalized racism than the United States. Mm. So you have, you have, like, oppressed people. Even the lifespan of a non-Aboriginal to an Aboriginal in Australia is, I think, it's well over 10-year difference. Wow. Right? Like, it's, it's a mm. huge, there's huge gaps yeah um, i think yeah it's, so right. definitely i feel that you know change has to happen with the with the way that we do tablik and 
with the just our mindset you know what i mean our our understanding of what needs what we need to do what our responsibilities as scholars are i think that really needs to change when we take on the role of pretty much a muballag when we're going to a country with that's that's you know islam is a minority shiism is a minority within a minority and then like it's not about just keeping the status quo and keeping you know the immigrant you know immigrant muslims happy by providing a service that they could culturally connect to right we right. have more of a we have more of a responsibility than that right yeah i think um you know one one thing that i always try to draw back on is you know the last generation you know or maybe the last two generations who who came here um you know so obviously speaking about the immigrant muslim community cuz obviously there was many muslims here before that uh, but especially amongst the Shia, you see they, they did they did really an amazing job, you know. And, you know, they did an amazing job given their circumstances and what they had to do as far as, you know, trying to pass on the religion to the next generation in a difficult environment. And, I mean, me and you uh, can appreciate it probably more because we've lived as immigrants, right? So it's like, you know, when we touch down in Qom, like, you know, we're looking for the Americans so we can play football, right? So, or, so our kids can grow up, you know, with people, you know, who – you know, they can they can speak with and so on so on and so forth who have the same culturism sometimes and obviously we we benefit from people from all over but a lot of times you know we do do that so it's kind of a natural progression but the issue now comes in when okay yeah you're raising kids who are Australian who are British who are actually American culturally right and so now you by you maintaining it and continuing um, to run things in that same way it's now actually become an obstacle right. Mm-hmm. Um, to actually the, the progress at, at the beginning it was good you know yeah alhamdulillah you know main, make sure we maintain but now as the situation is changing you know we have to also adapt with the situation right? so I think you know that's one of the challenges and um, we can learn a lot from I think the brothers of Ahlul Sunnah they've done obviously you know a remarkable job in this area you know creating spaces um, and obviously there's room for them to grow too huh? I'm sure they'd be the first to agree, but I think, you know, for us, you know, um, to to learn from them, to learn from each other, uh, I think we can, we can go a long way. You also mentioned something that was, that was true is like, you know, the lifestyle sometimes of a, of a, of a scholar is such that he can't, he can't do everything, right? Like, look, man, I got, you know, I got kids, you got kids, we have other responsibilities, we got to eat, you know, like there's other things that we have responsibilities for as well, right? Especially, you know, people like yourself who have a, another profession, you know, um, and who are being pulled in different ways, different messages and stuff like that. So I think we have to kind of do a better job. And this is on us as a, you know, to love is kind of uh, working together, right? So it's just like, just like we do in sports, like everybody can't be the point guard, right? Everybody can't do prison dawah. Right. Not everybody has, you know, your life story and your capacity to connect to people to do prison dawah. And we don't want everybody to do prison dawah. The same way we don't want anybody, everybody to run point guard. Somebody has no handles, we don't want them at the point, right? So this is the same way, in the same way, like, you don't, maybe I'm not the person who's best suited to go into, like, a really traditional, let's say, you know, you know Pakistani or you know, Hyderabadi place and, and give, like, you know, that, that speech on 13th Rajab. Maybe that's not me, right? But that's okay. Like we have to all, you know, work together as a team, right? With those scholars who are close to us, um, both ideologically and then also those scholars who are close to us um, physically, right? To kind of, you know, work together to help each other 
you know, and, and more than help each other to help the cause. That's what's important, right? It's not about, you know, who's giving the Jummah khutbah, these kinds of things. It's about doing the work of the imam. So I think, you know, moving forward, that's something we definitely have to um, uh, examine and, and think, think, think deeply about. 100% I agree with that. And that's definitely one of the shortcomings that we have as scholars here in the West, at least that I see. Uh, when I was studying in Qom, you know, because we're just in close proximity with one another, we see each other more often, obviously. But also we had we had little gatherings where we'd, we'd get together and we'd talk about, all right, I'm going to go here in Muharram, I'm going to go there in Muharram, I'm going to talk about this and that. And then when we come back, this is my experience so we can learn from each other's experiences. Um, those were good, you know. Um, I'd, I might not have even given those as much importance as I should have when I was there because I didn't, I didn't really see, you know, how rare that is that people get together and share their experiences, at least to that, like, minute level right there. But here in, in Australia, for instance, we have a number of ulama, English-speaking ulama. We all like each other, like, we get along, there's no issue. Um, even as I said, like, I'll say, I see Sheikh Zaidna every Tuesday at his house, and, there, you know, there's a Sheikh, I go and visit him every now and then at his house, and, like, we see each other, but we're not sitting down and planning or we're not sitting down and working together as a team. We're all doing our own individual actions and that's it. And definitely 100% where, you know, the, the role of a scholar has changed and there's so much that we should be doing. It's impossible for one person to do everything, right? There's, that's right. just not possible. There's not enough time in the day. Forget about money. Like, forget about you know, how this person will make a living and put food on the table of his children and clothes on their back and all of that. Forget about all that. Like if you're going to work, you know, 10 hours a day on Islam and propagating Islam and you'd be supported by the community, which you're not, unfortunately, but it's imagine you were, you still wouldn't be able to do everything. Right. You still need to work as a team. And, right. And because of that, you know, I do see that as a shortcoming. And then in addition to that, like, as you said, for myself, I work full time. Alhamdulillah, my job is, you know, connected to Islam. And, you know, you, you could you could say it's working for Islam. Right. But um, not everyone has that opportunity. And people need to make living. You know, you need to make a living. If you're, you know, if I only relied on my speeches, on giving a speech a week, maybe let's say maximum two speeches a week, you know, you can't even come close to living off of that money, right? And there's no way. So you have to work, right? That's just the way it is. Here in Australia, at least, there's, you know, out of the, out of all of the centers we have, probably there's two or three scholars that, you know, are supported and make enough money to support their families. Otherwise, you have to work on your own. Now, if you're working on your own, that means you're full time. You're full time, eight hours a day. You're doing something else, and then, you know, on the side you're trying to spread Islam. On the right. side you're trying to, you know, study and advance and trying to help the community. Which I feel, you know, ideally speaking, you'd want the scholars to be able to put full time into Islam, but it's just not the reality right now. 
Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's natural for it not to be too because you're doing, we're doing foundational work, right? We're doing work. We're not, we're not in a place like Iraq or Iran where there's that long tradition of ulama and stuff like that. So, you know, it's going to, it's going to, it's going to come with the territory, but you know, alhamdulillah Allah provides. And I think more than that, this is, gives us more incentive to work together, right? Yeah. Like, unfortunately, a lot of times we, um, we confuse unity with uniformity, right? And we try to get everybody on our page. Or not even on our page, in our sentence, you know, in the paragraph that we like on the page, right? So I think we have to be, no, look, the, the red lines are the Sharia. The red lines are, you know, working for the cause of the Imam. And, you know, to, to whatever degree that we can come together, it's to the benefit of the larger community. So, inshallah, you know what you do next next time you start a team up, you know, you get, you know, the Shayukh together. And... Um, you know, even if even if even if you gotta you gotta play all five positions, you know, at least you guys will have more time to spend together. Shall we, we, act, plan. We, we actually have a scholar here who's like six five or something. He's tall. There He's you six, go. Six four, six five. I, I tried to get him on, but it didn't work. He's <laughs> 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 okay. Because Australia, they don't really play basketball here in Australia. There's That's you know fun. some people do, but it's not the yeah. number one sport. So soccer is definitely more popular. Um, and rugby is more popular, or footy or whatever they call it. And so Australian rules, rules football, and they got like 20 sports before basketball. But right. it's still a little, I mean, there's still people who enjoy it, and there's people who like it. But, yeah, trying to get a team together. Is, is well, good. I mean, the rest of the world actually likes soccer more, right? It's actually yeah. part of, you know, American hegemony that they basically create sports that only they have and then call themselves a world cha- world champion, make everybody come there, make every, you know, it's, it's all part of the system, you know, whether it's football, NFL, or whether it's the NBA or whatever. Uh, it's all part of the system. But yeah, I mean, obviously basketball is the best, best sport. Hands down, but, there's no, I mean, hands yeah. down, there's no, there's no discussion. I guess it. <laughs> so well, anyways, what's it called? One of the things that, that I wanted to touch upon before we end here, and it kind of leads, leads in from what we were talking about is that, in order to work together, right? In order to to be able to be a team of ulama that are, you know, tackling different dimensions of of the job in in one area, I I feel if we're trained together, it might it might be helpful. Like in calm, if we're able to be more of a unit and really work off each other, bounce off each other. In Qom, hopefully that could translate to on you know on the ground in in the countries that we return to, we'd be able to continue to work as a team, right? So when I was in Qom, we didn't really have that, and it was recognized by the senior American uh, Western ulama that we lack this and we need we need this, but it really wasn't created when I was there. Now I know, hopefully with these schools that are starting up, um, I know. Um, there's a school, a new school that you're going to start attending in Qom that is mostly with Western students, I believe. And maybe that could be one of the methods of trying to create these teams and create these um, relationships with one another and be able to interact with one another when we come back. So maybe that's a right. positive step forward. And I wanted to ask you about this school, actually. So I know it's a new school. Um it's geared towards Western students who will be trying to um, advance their studies. 
And I was just wondering if you could give a little bit of uh, kind of a description about the school and the objectives and what it's going to look like. Right. Obviously, you haven't started yet. but Right, right, right. Yeah, so, you know, just to preface that, I think one of the beauties of, of the Hosa is that, you know, you have the opportunity to meet with people, you know, from all different backgrounds, right? Learn from people from, you know, just think about your time back, you know, in Al-Mahdi, uh, you know, or my, you know, my time there, like, it was just such a beautiful experience. You know, you're, you know, you're, you're praying next to someone from Africa and someone next to China, you're, you're a partner is from Azerbaijan, you know, you, you know, it's just like having that experience is something that I think, especially for us as Americans, um, you know, where we're growing up in like this culture, that's basically this, this idol of, you know, nationalism is so, so heavy here. Right. So it's one of the really positive benefits, right. Of Pullman, so that shouldn't be minimized. Uh, but at the same time, what you're saying is also accurate in that you know we face unique challenges um, in the West, right? Not just um, the kinds of challenges that we were talking about here, but even ideological challenges. Whether it's that you know this is the you know the the biggest idols of our age, whether it's you know liberalism, uh, postmodernism, democracy, these kinds of things, you know we we're face we're we're on the front lines. Right, so we have to kind of be prepared for that, and I think one of the uh, thoughts behind the school um, that is being, you know, led by Hujat uh, Islam, Sheikh Shuja Ali Mirza, is that you know to prepare people for those unique challenges that we face. Right, so whether it's um, you know vis-a-vis you know the philosoph- being able to answer in a philosophical way, you know, some of the uh, Shabahat and the doubts that we're seeing brought forth by you know people from the, um, the atheist camp, or whether it's just you know practical things, you know, okay, hey, look, a lot of people, um, you know, they come at a young age and maybe they 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 don't have a clear picture of what they want to do after the hosa, right? So what are some things that can be done? Well, let's talk about you know chaplaincy. Let's talk about preparing you, um, you know, for what's going to come thereafter. But I think, you know, like you mentioned, one of the, the, the really great benefits is obviously is, is not only the, um, the students, but also a lot in the administration, the teachers are, you know, people, you know, like yourself, you know, who have, you know, born and raised and, you know, you guys have seen, um, you know, the challenges here. So there's definitely a lot of benefits. We had, you know, another school with a similar outlook before, or excuse me, a similar kind of set of goals before. Um, and it's still there and, you know, all the schools and people can benefit from, but I think the unique thing about this is number one, you know, preparing people, um, to deal with the challenges specifically from the West. And then also that it's Westerners doing that, right? So it's people who have been there and lived it. Um, so inshallah, you know, it'll be a good experience. I mean, for me, it's uh, it's lifelong learning. So, you know, I'm just I'm just so happy and blessed to have the opportunity to continue my education, uh, inshallah, and uh, we're looking forward to to your next visit. Inshallah, inshallah, it's good. Like I'm actually looking looking forward. I had a conversation with Sheikh Chuja about the school, and um, it does seem very interesting. Like I love the approach um, and the topics, and I know it's right now it's for those who are advanced in their studies. But I think the plan is also to bring it for those, who, you know, the first few years as well. 
So yeah, the plan I think is they to are starting that. Yeah, I think yeah. I think even coming up in September, inshallah, they'll have um, a program for those just coming straight from the West. Mm. And even there's a short program, so if people are interested in just coming in, you know, getting a taste of the Hosa, and, and and more so than that, just you know, even you can spend six months here or there, you know, for short-term studies to basically come and get kind of a crash course mm. on you know those things that are important um, for any lay Muslim to have. Um, so I think there's a, definitely a lot of opportunities, and if people want to, you know, check out the website, um, it's s i o s dot a c s i o s dot a c. So yeah, and it has all the information that they would need to find out how to enroll and to look at the different programs that are being offered and. Every, everything right. you need in a in a website for a school. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of great programs. You know, obviously in the West too. You know, in in you know short term programs and long term programs and whatever. But I think you know, I just want to really emphasize, like you know, there's something about being there in the presence of the Lady Masuma in the city of Dahlabayt. You know, with all of our great scholars there. You know, where you ha- you're you're basically studying Islam every day. You know, not just in school, but when you live, when you walk to the grocery store, you know, when you meet people, you know, and it's just a different experience. So, yeah, definitely, you know, the Hosat and the schools that are coming up in the West, they have their their place. You know, for those people who aren't able to come uh, to Qom or maybe to Najaf, then you know, obviously those, you know, there's there's a place for, for schools here. But, you know, the, the experience is something that, you know, really, you know, you know, 30 seconds with, with that with that special teacher, you know. It makes everything worth it, yeah. you know, being away from your family for you know, X amount of years and, you know, whatever challenges that we face, which are actually all, you know, blessings and opportunities for us to grow in reality. But, yeah, I mean, you know better than me, Chef. So I just want to really emphasize that uh, for people out there. And I think I'm, you know, if I don't offer anything else to the community, you know, going forward, at least I can offer the fact that, hey, look, it's never too late. You know what I'm saying? You know, I was 29 years old, four, four or five years into my career, you know, and, you know, I made that jump. And I remember people telling me, like, hey, you're never going to be able to learn a language that late in your life or two languages that late in your life. Right. But, you know, if you have the trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will provide that way for you. So, you know, no matter who you are out there, not that the hosa is for everybody and it's not about the hosa, but just that you know, um, that thirst for knowledge, you know, to improve ourselves, you know, that's something that it should never end. It doesn't matter if you're an old dinosaur like me, right? 29 or whatever, when you, when you make the jump, that's not, that's you know, true. And you, when you make that decision. Yeah. hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, I, I wanted to piggyback off of what you just said as well about, you know, the environment and home and studying there. And definitely there's a lot of, good places that you could study at um, outside of Qom. So you have, I know um, Molana Beg has the Imam Ali Seminary, and there's a, there's a bunch of them that are popping up. Um, but definitely getting that experience in Qom is huge. Like, I remember when I first went there, and I went there from Lebanon. My first year in Hauza was in Lebanon. But when I went to Qom, I remember I was living in a place that was near Ayatollah Behjad's Masjid. So I'd pray there every day, Fajr, with, you know, behind Ayatollah Behjad. And then I'd go do Ziyarat every day. And it's just like, where in the world would you have that opportunity? Like, no. Like, just right. just that that hour in the morning where 
I wake up and I walk to that to the masjid, which is literally like a one minute walk from my house. Wait for Ayatollah Bechia to come in. When he comes in, you know, when he walks in the room, it doesn't matter if you're looking. You could be reading the Quran. You could be, you could be looking the other direction. You know, when he walks in the room, like the atmosphere mm. immediately changes, and then just praying behind him while he's crying and just like you could, this is his sincerity pierces your heart. Like there's no way mm. you, you could, there's no way that you can't benefit from that. And mm. then, and then leaving there, going doing his ziyarat of Sayyidah Masuma and you know just connecting to Ahlul Bayt. And then going to class, like right. there's just that one hour of the day is right. you can't find anywhere else. You know, you just can't find it. Right. And, and alhamdulillah, I had all like I was blessed that for the majority of my time in Qom, all of my classes were in the Haram. So like, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'd be able to do a ziyarat in between classes. You know, like I every I was always at the Haram. I worked. The teachers say that it's like a it's like a water fountain, or, excuse me, you know, like a what's it called? You know, when, like a well, it's not a not a water fountain, but you know, when the water spring spring up. Sorry, my yeah. my anyway. <laughs> you know, it's like even if you're just close to it, you know, like in the middle of the pond. What's that thing called in the middle of the pond? Fountain, maybe. There's a fountain. Yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> Anyways, so it's like oh, a fountain where it's like the water. water. Yeah. Yeah, both of our English well, left, but it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's what happens when you mix up too many languages, man. It's like you're reading Arabic, you're talking Farsi, and now you're thinking English. So it's like, you know, the the even just by being close to it, you're going to get wet, right? So mm-hmm. you're, and that's how the spirituality of, like, for example, the Haram is, you know, the spirituality, for example, of the Holy Kaaba is these places, these holy places, you know, and even the great teachers, like you mentioned, Ayatollah Bashir, even just being in their presence, you know, you're benefiting spiritually. Yeah. So, yeah, alhamdulillah, it's a, it's a beautiful thing, great blessing. It is, it is. Say it, I feel I could talk to you forever. Like, I feel Chef, that... man, inshallah, anytime I'm at your service, next time, hopefully we don't have to record it. And, <laughs> inshallah. Uh, inshallah. You know. inshallah, we'll keep but in touch, definitely. Definitely, and we always benefit uh, from your work, and Allah bless you and give you more tawfiq to continue. We're proud of you, and we miss you out here, you know. I know all of LA probably misses you, but really we're missing your presence all over the country. You know, I remember... Uh, I remember sending your book to some brothers who were incarcerated, oh, wow. you know, and um, and just how much they benefited from it, you know. So even if you're not here, we're still benefiting from you and your work, and we appreciate appreciate you. We love you. Inshallah, talk to you soon. Inshallah, say thank you so much. Inshallah, um, everything goes well with you, and you're able to return to Qom soon. And inshallah, inshallah whatever and... Allah has in, in, in store for us, inshallah, inshallah. we're. If we can learn anything from Imam Hussein, it's that, you know, we're radi with the qada of Allah, right? So, inshallah, whatever Allah has in, in store, we're happy, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. Keep safe out there. Give salams to your family. Same, Shaykh. Inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. What? You haven't subscribed yet? Mate, get on the ball. Subscribe to the channel.